Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. Well, happy, is today, I always get confused, is today the first day of spring or is it tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. But it was really yesterday, let's be honest, was it not? I would like to remind us all that last week there was snow on the ground and my soul was a little bit dead. And today I'm sunburnt, so I'm feeling a little bit better about life today. I hope you are too. Uh, For those of you I haven't met yet, my name is Becca, along with Jonathan, one of the co-pastors here, and grateful to be back with you today. I was gone last week. Uh, As many of you know, uh, I was away on a retreat last week. I have a group of friends. We were in a small group together in seminary 15 years ago, and uh, most years since then, uh, last year being the exception, we've gotten together uh, to just catch up, share life, pray together, um, be an encouragement to one another. So uh, because all of us, literally, there's six of us, and we are spread across the entire country, two in California, two in Chicago, and two in Pennsylvania, if you can believe it. We've spread out, but not at the same time. But because of that, we try to gather somewhere that's central, somewhere that all, you know, nobody has to travel more than anybody else, right? So uh, we were outside of Dallas for the week last week, um, which meant flying, right? You had to, we had to catch a flight. And so uh, for me, the, the easiest way to do that is to catch an Uber to the airport. And so first thing I do whenever, I don't know about you, but whenever I catch an Uber, uh, when I get in, well, first thing I do is make sure that it's actually my Uber and not somebody trying to kidnap me, right? Y'all have to do this, know this, check, check the driver and the license plate. But the, the next first thing I do when I get in the car is I kind of pull out my phone and I look at the phone on the dash and just make sure that like, they have where I want to go, right? Like it says Philadelphia airport, Philadelphia airport. Good. They're not going to take me somewhere else. And then I, I don't know, I'm always just kind of curious, like which route they're going to take, right? Is it, is it the, the fastest, the most efficient, whatever? Most of the time I just, whatever the route they is, I let them take it, but I just kind of want to know. Whenever I'm going somewhere, I, I kind of just always want to know, where are we going? How are we going to get there? Right? So today, in our study on the life of Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, we are at the midway point, right in the middle, uh, in a couple different ways. We're at the midway point because Mark is a 16-chapter gospel. It's the shortest one, remember? And so today we're right at the end of chapter 8. We're at the kind of literal midway point. But we're also kind of at a, a, a thematic midway point. This is a point in Mark's gospel when, when he, he starts out one way and he starts turning kind of a different way. In the first half of Mark, in the first eight chapters, he, he portrays Jesus as, as uh, always being surrounded by these crowds, crowds who are amazed and astonished at all of Jesus' miraculous works, his teaching, his authority. Everybody's amazed. And as we see this Jesus, there are kind of two questions that Mark is prompting us to ask. The first question is, is Jesus the Messiah? Is that who Jesus is? Is he the Messiah? Is he this promised one sent by God for the salvation of the world? Is that who Jesus is? And then the second question that's running through the whole gospel of Mark is, will we follow him? Is Jesus the Messiah and will we follow him? So uh, that's been what we've been asking leading up to the, in this first half. And as we go into the second half, there, the questions stay the same, but also kind of shift. 
So that first question, is Jesus the Messiah? At the end of chapter 8, Mark tells us this. If you want to read with me, we're starting at verse 27. It says, Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. We'll stop there for a second. So who is Jesus? Mark tells us the disciples believe that he is the Messiah. So there's that answer to that first question. But then there's that second one. Will we follow him? And that, well, that kind of depends. That's the second half of Mark starts prompting these questions of will we follow him? But it kind of depends on how we answer these next two questions. And those next two questions are what kind of Messiah did Jesus come to be? And depending on how we answer that, what is it going to look like? What is it going to be required of us should we choose to follow him? Or in other words, when it comes to knowing and following Jesus, where are we going? And how are we going to get there? That's what Mark wants us to think about today. So going back to the scripture, again, Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am. And Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after the three days rise again, he said all of this quite openly. So what kind of Messiah did Jesus come to be? Well, he told them. He said, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed and then rise again. And, and quite understandably, the disciples were a little confused, a little troubled by this description of the kind of Messiah that Jesus came to be because in their minds, they, they just announced that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. In their minds, the Messiah can't be killed, I don't know if you'll connect with this or not, but they had this worldview, this idea that, that, that bad things couldn't happen to good people, right? I mean, I know that's it's 2,000 years ago, a really different way of thinking about the world, but that's what they believed, right? None of us go there, that bad things can't, shouldn't happen to good people. And Jesus, well, Jesus was like the goodest person they'd ever met. And so to imagine all of these bad things happening to this good, good person that just didn't didn't compute. And so Peter then, and remember, Mark's story is Peter's story. Peter told it to Mark. And so Peter then, uh, who is a little bit of a hothead, he's the one who was like, all right, I'll take it upon myself here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna set Jesus straight here. He, this is not the kind of Messiah he is supposed to be. And so uh, Mark tells us that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. You can kind of picture this a little bit. He's just like, just pull, pulls him aside. Just like, yeah. Jesus, thanks, good, Messiah, great. But can you just like ixnay with the eth day kind of thing? Like you're losing the crowd. 
Like people really like the miracles, they love the teaching, they love all of that, but like suffering and death, like that's, you're scaring the kids, right? Like Peter's not happening. But Jesus knew where he was going and he knew how he wanted to get there. He knew why he would had come. And so it says, turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. See, the kind of Messiah that Jesus came to be, he tells Peter, he's like, I'm not, it's, it's not what you think I came to be. See, Peter had in his mind that, that the Messiah came to, to push out the Roman occupation, to, to reestablish Israel as a political power, to sit high on a golden throne, and oh, by the way, have all his disciples on either side with him, also holding positions of prestige and power. And Jesus says, that's not, that's not who I came to be. That is not where we're going. And that is not how we're going to get there. See, Jesus, the Messiah, he came to live, he came to teach, he came to heal, he came to show forth God's miraculous power with signs and in wonders. Yes, that is all true. That is all what goes in that first half of Mark. But as we see here in the second half, the real reason that Jesus came, the kind of Messiah he came to be was, was one who was to be rejected one who would suffer, one who would die and rise to new life again. And it, at that moment, it sounded like bad news. It sounded like the worst news, but it really truly is good, good news. It's the best news there is. Because disguised in this ominous-sounding declaration was actually an extraordinary invitation. See, Jesus wasn't just giving an explanation of his life, but he was extending an invitation to your life and to mine. But if we're honest, we can understand, we can connect with those disciples a little bit. What Jesus is about to, to say, the invitation he's about to offer is not one we'd particularly want to receive. Many of us, those of us who have said yes to following Jesus, when we did that, I think a lot of us kind of imagined what we'd hoped following Jesus would look like, it's pretty similar to what Peter had in mind. If it was up to us, the life, the way of following Jesus would look with something like this. We have a little picture of that. Like, you start out, you say yes to following Jesus, and, and life just is like up, 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 and to the right, right? Like, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, and every day is a little bit better. Every day is a little bit sweeter. Every day is just blessing upon blessing until we get to heaven. Like, that's, that's what we'd like the life of following Jesus to look like. I, I, I would. I like sunny days like yesterday. Last weekend, no thank you. I want everything up and to the right, and then heaven at the end. That would be the way life would feel pretty good, right? If that would be really nice if Jesus was that kind of Messiah. Really nice if that's what he meant the life of following to him to look like. But, I mean, I see you all smiling at this because we know that's not the way it is, right? Following Jesus means following him as the Messiah that he came to be, following the pattern that he gave, traveling the path that he walked. And here's what Jesus said about that. 
said Jesus called the crowds with his disciples and he said to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find it. Here's where we're going, Jesus says. And here's how we're going to get there. We're going to life. We're going to abundant life, eternal life. And we like that part, right? We like the idea of life. Most of us can get behind Jesus for that, but, but how are we going to get there? Well, that's where things get a little tricky. That's where our way, the disciples' way, your way, my way, sometimes it can differ from Jesus' way. Because instead of looking like that, just up, up, up into the right graph, uh, the life of following Jesus, instead of that, looks a little more like this. This way of living. It's called a cruciform pattern. You hear in that cruciform, in the form of the cross, shaped by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It is a life shaped by the cross. This is the life that Jesus lived. This is the Messiah he came to be, and this is the life into which Jesus invites us should we choose to follow him. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Each and every one of those original disciples, Peter, James, John, all of them, their lives ended up looking like this. And as I look back on my own life and what I know of many of your lives, our lives take this shape, this cruciform shape as well. So how does that play out? What does that look like? Well, to begin, the cruciform pattern always starts with new life with new life, and that is very, very good. New life always begins when you say yes to Jesus Christ. And you can say yes to Jesus today, you can say yes to Jesus at any moment. And when you do, when you start following Jesus, you get the gift of new life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And this, this new life phase of this cruciform pattern, it's, it's pretty great. It's great. Like when you experience it, you experience growing in all these new and exciting ways. You, you're seeing the world through this new spiritual lens. You're seeing yourself and your, your life differently. This new life phase, it is a gift given by God for us to start our life with him. New life is a wonderful place to start, but it's not a great place to stay. It's, it's really, really safe here. It's really, really nice here in that new life place. We're so happy here, but we don't grow here. Because as we see in this cruciform pattern from Jesus is that what eventually comes into our life after that new life phase, for all of us, what comes next is often a, an experience of suffering or struggle. I wonder if any of us would be so bold to admit that, that you have gone yourself through an experience of suffering or struggle. Anybody here? Anybody willing to admit you've gone through a season of suffering or struggle in your life? Yeah, pretty much all of us. This is just part of the pattern. 
This is how it works. All of us are going to face challenges or struggles or loss. Life gets hard. And when we've just come out of that new life phase, it can be kind of jarring. It can be confusing. It can be downright faith-shaking if we're not prepared for it. And at any phase of our faith, we're just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to understand how God could allow us to go through times of suffering and struggle and not stop it, not end whatever is causing us such pain. So it helps to remember Jesus' words when he said, if anyone wants to be my followers, let them deny themselves. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Because Jesus went through it. Jesus experienced rejection, betrayal, slander, loneliness, loss, and all of that before the cross. So speaking from personal experience, Jesus said this life of following me, by its very nature, it involves loss. It involves struggle. We will suffer. And I wish I could tell you that in this life of following Jesus, it gets easier from here. Like we, we start out new life, we go through suffering and struggle, but then we get to, you know, shoots and ladders it back right back up to a new life phase again. That would be really, really great if that's how it works. But it's, it's not. Because Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. The invitation that Jesus gives us and the pattern that Jesus modeled for us is that what follows the struggle and the suffering isn't more new life, but death. And this doesn't just mean physical death, like a once and done kind of thing. It also refers to spiritual death. Deaths, plural, within our souls the experience in which something inside of us dies. It's not easy. It's not happy. But it's true. It's just part of the process. And I'll be honest, I, I am so grateful that Jesus died. I am so happy to be able to rest in the confidence that Jesus went all the way to the cross for me and for my sins, and that he rose again, defeating sin and death forever. That is what we celebrate every Easter, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Jesus died for me. But when it comes to dying to myself, that's... That's why I pull back a little bit. I'm less interested in that part of the pattern. But this is the invitation from Jesus. To let the parts of you that need to die, die. And you can recognize those parts oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, the things that that we go to, the the things that, that we hope will give us life that do not. The things that that we do, the habits that we've formed, or the relationships that we've entered into, or the ideas that, that we hold on to, that we think that we hope will give us life, or maybe at one point did give us life, but do not any longer. 
It's the things that we think and say and and feel and do that lead us away from who God created us to be, who God says we are, his beloved sons and daughters created in his image for good work in the world. It's the things that pull us away from that, that Jesus says, you got to let those things die. And while it is an incredible understatement to say that this process is never easy, it is always good. Because when it is the voice of Jesus calling you to take up your cross and follow me, it is always for your good and for God's glory. It's how we become like Jesus. By following the pattern that he set forth. Because this, this is what Jesus was actually doing on the cross. Jesus went first. He did it himself first. Because Jesus never asks something of us that he hasn't already done for us. Jesus never asks anything of us that he hasn't already done for us. Or maybe it's easier if we put it in the positive. That what Jesus asks of us is something he has done for us. Right? It's one and the same. Jesus died for us and he invites us to die to ourselves so that we can live for him. Because the reality is it doesn't end at death. We don't stay dead. What is always waiting, what is always waiting on the other side of death is resurrection and praise God for that. For the things inside of you, inside of me that need to die, there is always resurrection on the other side. We all have things inside of us that need to die, and the good news is on the other side of that death is resurrection, is something new, is something transformed. This is the really, really good news for us today, especially for those who are in a season of struggling or suffering or death somewhere along the way. Like somewhere along the way, we began to believe, maybe we were taught, that new life was just a kind of one-time event. You say yes to Jesus that one time, you pray the prayer, you ask him into your heart, you get the experience of new life, and then it's done, right? One time. But that's not actually how it works. Following the way of Jesus, you can actually be born again and again and again, living in this cruciform pattern. Every time there's a death, there is a resurrection. Every time you let something die, you get that gift of new life again and again and again. As long as we live, as long as there is breath in our lungs, if we are following Jesus, this is the life he has for us. This is the kind of Messiah he came to be, and this is what following him looks like. This is what Jesus has done for us, and this is what Jesus wants to do in us. This is where we're going. This is how we're going to get there. And I think there are some of you today, I, I, I just know there are some of you today that as you look at this, maybe you would have never put it this way before, right? Like you wouldn't have like drawn the cross with the arrows and the things. Like that's, that's not your bag, right? Maybe you wouldn't have thought about it this way before, but as you think about your life, the, the experiences you've had, the ways that you have followed Jesus, you look at that and you go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I can see how my life has followed this pattern, this cruciform pattern. You've lived it. You've, you've personally experienced, you've received new life. 
You've gone through that experience of struggle and suffering where some things in you or around you or part of your life had to die and on the other side of it, you experienced resurrection and new life again and again and again. You know, you've lived this. You know that there is more on the other side of that death. And I, I just wonder if there's anybody in this room today who would just be willing as, a, as kind of a testimony to somebody else in this room who is in that season of struggle, who's on this side of the struggle. If you know that there is more on the other side of that struggle, if you just show your hand, do you know there's new life on the other side? We need to tell each other that story because when you're in that season of suffering and struggle and death, it feels like you're going to be stuck there forever. It feels like last weekend's stupid snowstorm forever. You need to know the spring is coming. And sometimes you need somebody in your life, else in your life to tell you, to say, I am living proof that there is more on the other side. There is life on the other side. There is more than the struggle. There is more than death. There is resurrection and new life again and again and again. That is the good news for us today. It can sound like bad news, I know. Because if we're honest, most of us wouldn't choose this life. Most of us would rather avoid the struggle. Most of us don't want to go through the death. New life we love, death not so much. But Jesus was very clear. There is no resurrection without the crucifixion. There is no resurrection without the crucifixion. I'll tell you, I love Easter. I love Easter. I love every part of it, the flowers, the celebrations, everybody in their fancy new clothes. I love all of it, but I have found that over the years, I can't fully love Easter. I can't, can't wholly enter into the celebration of Easter Sunday without first going through Good Friday. There is no resurrection without the crucifixion. There is no new life unless those old things are allowed to die. Sometimes I wish there was another way, but this is the way that Jesus gave us. If anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, they will save it. This is where we're going. And this is how we're going to get there. The cross is not simply our way to life. The cross is our way through life. We can live in this cruciform pattern. Our lives can be shaped by the cross of Jesus Christ. If we will trust Jesus at his word, there is a gift of new life every time we say yes to him. There is struggle, there is suffering, and yes, even death, but it all has a point, it all has a purpose. And there is resurrection, and there is new life on the other side.